hope. We hear that word and we think of positivity or wishful thinking. But hope is something different. It's greater, it's better, and it's more. Hope is choosing to wait for God to bring His goodness into our lives. It's remembering His faithfulness in our past and trusting His plans for our future. Hope rises when we encounter the light that shatters the darkness and when the long-awaited Messiah makes His home with us. It's an invitation for every person and it's here now because Jesus is here now. This is hope. Welcome to Christmas. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Christmas. It's Advent. It's a great time of year. It's a, it's a wonderful time. It's first Sunday of Advent, which means that Christmas is now in full swing. Hallmark movies are on. They've been on since, what, June, I think. Um, there's peppermint everything, so all the pumpkin spice has been replaced by peppermint. Christmas lights are up. Everybody's out shopping. There's baking going on. But just in case you're not fully in the Christmas spirit yet, because it's early, it's the first Sunday of Advent, right? So some of you aren't quite there yet. Well, what I want to do is I want to show you a little video that will help you get in the Christmas spirit, but also might actually give you some gift ideas for some of those people in your life. Can we run that video? Do I have to? It's like already open. No, it's not. I, well, I mean, like it's a scooter. It's wrapped up. This isn't even a scooter. I, <gasps> I don't know. What do you think? It's outside. It's outside right now. Oh my God! Baby, the car. The car. Where is it? Where is? Where is it? What do you mean? Is someone bringing it here with the other set of cases? Someone coming? Keep looking. What do you mean I don't have a car? This is the car keys. They they all pranked you. <laughs> and I they, don't, everyone got you. Do I at least get a scooter? <laughs> no, you don't get the scooter either. So here's the deal. If you are sitting with someone who laughed at that, let me tell you this, watch your back on Christmas morning. Isn't that just an absolutely horrible thing to do to someone? It's just, it's just wrong. She thought she got a scooter. She was disappointed, but she was still trying to be gracious and, oh, great, a scooter. And then the car keys, and she's all excited, and there's elation. Then there's no car, just pranksters laughing at her on the porch. But I loved when she said, do I at least get a scooter? The joy of Christmas morning. <laughs> the disappointment of the scooter, but still, I'm gonna be gracious, and then the elation that there might be a car, and excitement of going to look for it, the confusion that came in when she couldn't find it, the total deflation when she discovered it was all a prank, and then finally, just trying to find something to hang on to, no matter how much lesser it might be, just something to hope in, do I at least get a scooter? Can I just say that for many of us, Honestly, that about sums up Christmas. It truly does. I'm not trying to be a downer, but if we're honest, 
It's easy to say that Christmas is great. It's about hope and peace and joy and love. But when we're confronted with the disappointment of daily life, we find ourselves looking for something lesser to cling to. When the world turns against us, we say, is there anything, no matter how small, that I can grab a hold of? And it's really hard to say peace on earth when we turn the news on and there's wars raging. It's really hard to say, let there be peace to all people when we see the lowly that really don't seem to be really lifted up in the form of children and women being abused and trafficked as sexual commodities or addictions in the world that destroy souls and families. And justice just does not seem to be fully here yet, does it? Welcome to Christmas. If we can get honest just for a minute, doesn't it seem that the promises of the first Christmas are really hard to cling to at times? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and yet we put up the lights and we decorate our trees and we offer smiles and greetings to strangers that we bump into and we try to be more aware of the people around us who are hurting and struggling and we think of others first, at least for a little while, as we shop for gifts and trinkets that will somehow say, hey, you're loved even in what can look like the most unrealized promises of Christmas, we still try to find those four themes of Advent that are represented by those candles. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And we look for those things in our lives during the season of Christmas, and then we desperately try to share it. Why? How is it even possible to do that given the world we live in? So here's what my hope is this Christmas season as we walk through this series in Advent, Welcome to Christmas. My hope is that we will answer that question as we look at hope, peace, and joy and love over the next four weeks in what might seem like a really odd place to spend Christmas, Revelation 21. What I hope to do is weave the inauguration of Christmas found in the prophecies of the Old Testament and then realized in the Gospels together with the promised culmination of Christmas, the second coming of Jesus found in Revelation 21. And by doing that, I think what we're gonna find is there's a reason to actually live in hope and peace and joy as a lifestyle year-round instead of trying to find it somehow in despair for one season of the year. And so this morning, we're going to look at the first theme of Advent that this candle represents. It's the theme of hope. And I want you to see two things as we walk through this. The first thing I want you to see is where we find hope when the promises of Christmas, when things like hope and peace and joy and love don't seem to be realized in our world. And the second thing I want to do is help you to live in that hope, not just for this season of Christmas, not just for these four weeks, but as an actual lifestyle every day in your life. And so we're gonna dive into Revelation 21. I wanna invite you to stand with me as I read verses one through three. You can turn to your Bible, Revelation 21, verses one through three. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, 
and God himself will be with them as their God. Father, we're so grateful for the promise of Christmas. And Father, I pray that this morning we see that the promise of Christmas is your very presence with us. And so Lord, open our hearts and our minds. Let anything that's less than the fullness of your truth fall to the ground, but let us leave this place changed, more aware of your constant presence with us, not just for this season of Christmas, but as a lifestyle. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you can have a seat. In a sense, our lives in this time right now, in between the first Christmas and the final Christmas of Jesus' second coming, are actually similar to another in-between time that's mentioned in Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. It's the story of two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus on that first Easter Sunday. They've heard rumors that Jesus has come back from the dead, but they haven't seen him yet. And so they're living in between knowing he's been crucified and knowing that he's actually risen. And then Jesus walks with them, but they don't recognize him. And they're sad, and they start telling this person who they don't recognize, this apparent stranger, all about the story of Jesus. But then listen to this in verse 21. In verse 21, they say this to him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But we had hoped. Those are the saddest words in the world to me. We had hoped. That poor young lady in the video had hoped that she would get a car. There are parents in this room whose children have wandered from the faith, but they had hoped that they would remain in Christ. There's people struggling with addiction that had hoped that it would loosen its grip on them. There's couples in broken marriages that had hoped that they would live their fairy tale. There are neighbors that we all have who have lost a spouse that had hoped that they would never be alone. The orphan, the poor, the homeless, the lonely, the abandoned, the rejected, the refugee, the one suffering from mental illness, those wounded, lost, and hurting all had hoped. Truth be told, every one of us has hoped. There's been times in our lives where we had hoped. We've lost all hope at times because of illness or some financial hardship or marital struggles or relational brokenness, problems at school or on the job or even in our own homes. What is it that can so easily make us people who had hoped at times instead of people who do hope? I think we become people who had hoped when we forget one fundamental truth of hope. Now before I give you that fundamental truth, I want to give you some clarity on what hope, what true hope, biblical hope actually is. See, because we tend to think of hope as some wishful thinking, right? I hope this will happen. Or we think of it as just general positivity. Just keep a positive outlook and all these things will come to you. Or even statistical probability. The odds are this. So I'll hope in that. And the truth is that hope comes in presence, not in presence. It's so easy for us to look at the Christmas promises of God, hope and peace and joy and love as presents that come from God that our dark world needs, that my heart, when it's in darkness, needs. The young lady in that video looked to those car keys as a present 
that would make everything better. And we often look to the present of God, the presence that show up as hope and peace and joy and love instead of the person of God. See, God's presence is the only lasting and enduring hope that can withstand everything that pulls and twists us in this world. That is the only reality that can hold us in hope in this in-between time. This in-between time between the dawning of hope in the manger 2,000 years ago and the culmination of hope that's coming in Revelation 21. This is the point of Christmas. Both the first one and the last one. Listen to the beginning of the Christmas story in Matthew 1, verses 20 through 23. It's talking about Joseph. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the, bir- the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us is the point of Christmas. The source of hope is presence, not the present. Look back at Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. The first and the last Christmas have the exact same point. God with us. Dwelling with us. Hope is in the presence of not the present. Now, do I expect to have all the good and perfect gifts of God as my own when I'm in his presence? Do I believe that the gifts, the presence of hope and peace and joy and love will be mine forever when Jesus brings that new heaven and that new earth at the final Christmas? Absolutely I do. But I also know that those things are a product of the presence of God. They come with him. They never come apart from him. And to seek those things apart from God, to seek hope and peace and joy and love in anything other than the presence of God in your life is to pursue the lesser gift. It's to ask, do I at least get the scooter? See, I think we make a mistake when the promises of Christmas feel distant and absent from us, when hope and peace and joy and love feel elusive, and we cry out to God, Lord, give me hope, give me peace, I need joy, bring me love. Those are all valid cries, and they flow out of desperate hearts that are broken and hurting. The problem isn't that we cry out to God for those things. The problem is that we fail to realize that God cannot give us those gifts, those presents, apart from his presence. You remember Matthew 6, 33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And what is the kingdom of God? It's the person of Jesus Christ. 
come to us that first Christmas as Emmanuel, God with us, who disarmed death on the cross so that at his resurrection he would live forevermore so that in this time, in between the first Christmas and the last Christmas, he can walk with us every step of our lives just as he walked with those apostles, those disciples on the road to Emmaus, so that by his constant presence, we would never be people who would ever have to say, we had hoped. It would never be past tense. It would always be present. And so here's the question. Where do you find hope when the promises of Christmas seem really distant and unrealized? When we find hope in the presence, not the present. The presence of the resurrected and very much alive Jesus who dwells in us now as he continues to prepare a new heaven and a new earth that will be brought forth at the final Christmas, his second coming, where his presence in us will become the constant presence of God with us. That is the hope of Christmas presence as we the people of Christ live into that presence each day we live Christmas as a lifestyle not just a season and the hope of Christmas becomes the atmosphere that our souls live and breathe and move in this is the same hope that Peter writes about in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4 listen to this Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the exclamation point there. Peter is excited as he's writing this. Are you excited as you're hearing it? He's excited as he's writing this. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That is the very thing that Christ will bring back at the final Christmas. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, not a dead wishful thinking or some hollow delusional positivity or some likely statistical probability, but a living hope, breathing, moving, working in your life, in your heart, in your mind, actively bringing you to an imperishable inheritance kept for you in heaven. The same hope that Jesus will bring for us as an eternal habitation for all of us at his final coming. Now listen to verse five. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. A salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of being a kid around Christmas time, staring at the tree and all the gifts under it, ready to be revealed on Christmas morning, when all you want to do is just unwrap it now. All you want to do is just go, and I'm not going to lie, I was a peeker, I admit it, because I just couldn't wait and you live in this tension of you want it now, you want to know it now, but you also want the excitement and the surprise of Christmas morning. Well, guess what? 
The gift of the presence of Jesus is yours to open now. We don't have to wait for the second coming. We can open it now. There is no need to wait. Open it. Open it every single morning when you wake up. Hope in him and him alone. And you will find that the hope you have is actually alive, just as Peter says. And that your living hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And so as we wrap up this idea of hope being in the presence, not the present, listen to verse 13 of 1 Peter 1. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that revelation of Jesus Christ that Peter's talking about might be the second coming. But I also think it refers to the revelation of Jesus Christ to your heart and mind now. When he is revealed to you as he is and you put your faith in him and you trust in him, this hope is fully in you based on the grace of God. And so I want us to be a people that are prepared for action this Christmas season. And that happens when we set our hope on the grace of Jesus at work in us. It's not something we have in a jar and we put on a shelf. It's something that's active and working and moving in all of us. And as we find our hope in his presence, here's the kicker. We are changed into his very image by his grace. And that will eventually lead us to the culmination of it all in verse 22. Listen to this. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. As you live into the hope that is the very presence of Jesus, you will become purified. You will begin to look like a citizen of the new heaven that Jesus will bring at the final Christmas. And we will love one another earnestly from pure hearts. Now, I want to invite you to watch the news tonight and find one disturbing story on the news that would not be solved if we loved one another with pure hearts. You won't find it. Every ill, every problem in this world would be solved instantly if we were all people who loved one another with a pure heart because of the presence of Christ in us. And when we love one another from a pure heart, what happens is this. We become people of charity. And let me tell you that true charity is not simply that I give. True charity is not giving away dollars or possessions or anything else. True charity is that I give of myself. I give of myself to others. And charity is the practice that I want to invite you into during the season of Advent. Charity of the presence of Christ in you shared with those who are hopeless. I want to encourage you to press into the present of his presence this week in your life and then to share your presence with those around you who are struggling to find hope this Christmas. And so what could that look like? It could look like a simple conversation with somebody who's forgotten or marginalized on the street 
It could look like a visit with a neighbor who doesn't have anybody or stepping into a nursing home and giving of your time there to people who don't have anyone coming to see them. Or maybe it's having lunch with that kid at school who's always alone. Maybe it's going to a place like Nightlight down on Christina Street. I went down there Thursday and the beauty of it was it's a place where people who are homeless and marginalized can come in. It's just a coffee shop and they're sitting with others and they're having coffee and they're doing puzzles and they're playing games. And you know what impressed me most about that place when I walked in? I couldn't tell the difference between the homeless guests and the volunteers. How amazing is that? When we will stop and give the presence of Christ in us to someone who is dismissed and marginalized and rejected and abandoned, what we do is we give them the dignity of Christ in their person. That's what I want to invite you into this Christmas season. And here's why. Because the presence of Christ in you, when you give your presence to others, brings the hope of Christmas. And I think if we practice the charity of Christ's presence in us, through our presence with others this Advent season, it might just become a lifestyle. It might just become something we live year round. And when the tree comes down and the lights come off and there's no more gingerbread cookies and the fruitcake is still sitting there untouched, you might be people who actually give hope to others because you give the presence of Christ that's in you away freely to a heart of charity. There's a deep and enduring hope embedded in the ordinance of communion that we're getting ready to take. So I want to invite you to go ahead and prepare that as you listen to Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then listen to this in verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. One of the first things that'll happen when Jesus returns and culminates Christmas and brings that new heaven and new earth is that we will drink the fruit of the vine of this covenant with him. And it will be the first time he's drank it since he poured out his blood for us. Think about that. Jesus wants to share this cup in our presence or not drink it at all. Let that sink in for a minute. How desperately does he desire to be present with us? And so as we prepare to take communion, I want to invite you to take it as a remembrance of his sacrifice for sure. It should always be. But also as remembrance of his promise to come back, 
to culminate the Christmas that he inaugurated all those years ago in that manger and to bring us into his eternal and enduring presence. And so I'm going to pray and the worship team's going to come back up. And I just want to invite you to take as much time as you would like to allow the hope of Christmas, the very presence of Christ to wash over you in this space. And then when you're ready, feel free to take the bread. Feel free to take the juice. And then join us in singing praise to God for his presence, his presence with us inaugurated 2,000 years ago in a manger, culminating at some point in the future, but very much here in the in-between. Father, we are so grateful that the whole point of Christmas is that we would find hope and peace and joy and love in your very presence with us here now in between. And Lord, we will never forget the sacrifice that you made for us that we could be in your presence. We will never forget the sacrifice of you becoming flesh so that you could be Emmanuel, God with us. But we'll also never forget the promise of the culmination of hope, peace, joy, and love that is on the horizon for us in your return. And so, Lord, in us now, make us a people who look like citizens of that new heaven and that new earth. Draw us out of ourselves to give the presence that's in us this Christmas season freely to those who are on the outskirts, to those who feel forgotten or abandoned or oppressed or abused. Let us manifest your very presence in their lives and let them find hope. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.